Blog Talk Radio. Our favorite show is The Crown, brought to you by the good people at Netflix. Tonight, we're going to discuss the first 10 episodes, otherwise known as season one. And to join me in this endeavor, helping me out, our historian, our history expert, our man with the plan, our our Canadian, Canadian, Canan- Canadian, our friend from the north, Mr. Andrew Graham. How do you do, sir? I'm doing good, Mark. How are you doing today? I can't complain. And if I did, no one would listen. Ah. Uh, By the way, happy Hanukkah. <laughs> Mazel tov. Thank you, sir. Much appreciated. And a happy holiday to you and yours across the border. Um, so let's get into this. Uh, I'm excited to talk about this with you tonight. Uh, in the interest of full disclosure, let, I'll let say right off the bat that we're going to kind of talk about this the way that we dealt with five came back. You know, we're going to talk about some themes, performances, actors, uh, that sort of thing. We're not going to do an episode by episode breakdown. Uh, here's why I got to episode five. <laughs> I still need to finish it. But I didn't want to put the show off. I wanted to talk about it, and I felt like I got a gist of what was happening uh, to be able to discuss the show. Uh, Obviously, whatever happens in episode 6 through 10 that's important, I'll leave to Andrew to talk about. But my first question to you, Andrew, is uh, wherein lies your interest in this show? What made you excited to talk about it with me? Well, I think I'm going to have to put a quick pin in that one because we actually have a third player on tonight's game. Woo! Joining us tonight is uh, is Alicia Graham, my uh, my brilliant and lovely wife, to also talk about this show, which we we just recently rewatched. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, Alicia. It's very very happy to have you on the show. I'm Mark, uh, the the host of this here gig, and I'm uh, Andrew. Said that you might be joining us, and I'm happy to have you here. Well, we got lucky. Andrew was able to get both kids down to sleep, so I could join. <laughs> <laughs> I'll uh, I'll throw it to you first, then. Same question. Wherein lies your interest in the show? What made you uh, tune into it and feel passionate enough enough to talk about it here on TV Party tonight? <laughs> well, I don't know if I feel comfortable talking about it, but. Um, <laughs> 
you can blame my husband for that one. But uh, for me, it's the crown was just such a cool concept. More about our own monarchy. <laughs> That's one uh, like I've always been fascinated by uh, the monarchy, and we follow it a lot closer up here, uh, just because it's part of our constitution. It's part of our our government. And uh, Elizabeth is such a unique character in history, and I wanted to kind of get that unique perspective of her in her youth and all the things that she's been through, because it's been a lot. So a couple of things about me. I have no relationship to royal anything. Um, I've never followed a monarchy. I, I barely know it exists. My wife, on the other hand, huge fan. Um when uh, somebody got married, I guess, in the last couple of years, and that was televised, my wife and her mother watched it on TV. My wife is huge into this show. She's big into another show that I guess used to be on the CW called Rain, which is currently on Netflix. She watches The Royals. If she's not watching uh, Bad Housewives behaving badly, she's watching something having to do with royalty. So uh, I, I get that, but uh, for, for someone like me, no clue. I have, <laughs> I didn't know. And you're really going to have to walk me through this like a child, because I, I don't know what all is the attraction to specifically Queen Elizabeth. My honestly, what I know about Queen Elizabeth, I learned from Eddie Izzard. You know who Eddie Izzard is? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Fair enough. <laughs> So all I know about this woman is she's a frumpy old lady who has a cake on her head. That's it. Um, <laughs> Prince Philip apparently is an idiot. That's all I know. Uh, so I will appreciate <laughs> you your insight. <laughs> okay. Um, yep. Go ahead, Andrew. Why don't, why don't you chime in here with uh, your your thoughts here? And actually walk me through what exactly – now, I know Canada used to be part of – the British Empire, but you're not currently, are you? You're your own separate sovereign nation, from what I what I thought, or maybe I'm wrong about that. Yeah, well, we we certainly are, and we have our own sovereignty. And and basically, what's happened over the last hundred years or so, as the various what were colonies or what um, what were called that, and what have been called from time to time dominions, have basically all asserted their own independence. And then basically called what basically joined what's called the Commonwealth. So oh, I can't even remember how many countries are in the Commonwealth, but it's close to a hundred. Yeah. And most of these countries, um, at the very least, uh, generally fall into the category of constitutional monarchies. So there is a monarch at the head of it, but there's a full government below it, and and these are ones that all kind of acknowledge um, Her Majesty as being the head of state. So basically. Um, yeah, and, and then what we have is a prime minister that's then the head of government. So it's a little bit different from, say, the U.S., where you guys have basically the head, head of state and head of government all rolled into one body. Yes, one giant orange body that can't seem to stay <laughs> off Twitter. Um, I wasn't going to go making that joke first. so <laughs> It's fine. It's fine. We love Trump here on the Rattleton Broadcasting Network. He's fantastic. <clears throat> Anywho. Um, all right, so... Not not to be a complete idiot, but so Canada, the Queen is is Queen Elizabeth, correct? Yeah, yes. she's the Queen of Canada. Okay, got it. She's on all but of the have... money. She. <laughs> yep. Any 
any bill that passes in parliament has to be given what's called royal assent, basically a sign off from there. It's it's more or less ceremonial at this point. There hasn't been a a, a non giving of royal assent since I think the 1920s. Um, Queen Elizabeth and that's generally suddenly going by to... the queen herself by by what's okay. called the uh, the governor general, which is basically mm-hmm. her representative in Canada that basically serves as the head of state when she is not here. So Queen Elizabeth isn't suddenly going to get up one day and says, you know what? You can't have universal health care. Fuck it. I'm taking it back. She can't do that. No, she can't. Okay. And she wouldn't. <laughs> she wouldn't, no. <laughs> Fantastic. Good to know that we have this great this historical base to work from here. I'll go breakfast by now. <laughs> okay. Um, your thoughts, Andrew. I mean, uh, your lovely wife gave her thoughts on the show and what drew her to it. Similar thing? Something else there for you? I mean, definitely a similar thing. I mean, um, you know, when you look at the fact that, you know, Her Majesty has been, or Queen Elizabeth has been reigning for, you know, 60 odd years at this point. I mean, she's seen a tremendous amount of change over that time. I mean, she took power right after, um, her reign began rather, right after, you know, India and Pakistan both left the, the British Empire and then you've kind of seen the world shift a lot with her and, and she's definitely been very much a mark of stability. Um, I mean, on top of that, I mean, there's a lot of, there's a lot of interesting stories, some of which are more credible than others. Uh, I'm, I'm going to definitely take a step back on, on getting into some of the, the nitty gritty on the history here, because very frankly, trying to get into the, the personal histories of the Royals at this point is is probably going to be more effort than it's worth because I think there's probably a lot of dodgy, uh, a lot of dodgy accounts out there. Um, probably if anything, I found better stuff on Netflix where there's a couple of good ones, including uh, a couple of good documentaries that actually get access to the, the Royal archives. So you can see actual letters going back and forth and, and things like that. So I can, I can definitely provide a little bit of larger context. Um, one thing I will say just kind of, since you asked the questions about Canada, I mean, definitely when you when you use the phrase the crown and that's going to be a big theme in this series is that the crown is actually not only of course the queen but the state itself so when let's say you get brought up on criminal charges it's not you versus the province of alberta or the dominion of canada or anything like that it's it's you versus the crown we don't have district attorneys we have crown prosecutors um as alicia mentioned you know the uh the uh, Her Majesty's on all, all the back of our coins, and members of the royal family are pretty thoroughly integrated into our military culture, where we've got uh, past regiment names have been through the members of, of the royal family. Probably one of the best ones known for that is one of our infantry regiments called the uh, Princess Patricia's Canadian Light Infantry. Okay. Um, let's get into the actual show here. And... I think we need to spend some time just talking about Queen Elizabeth, the person, um, how she's portrayed on the show by Claire Foy. And uh, as I said, I'm not going to go through episode by episode. And I really want you, uh, Alicia, please feel free to just jump in at any time. Um, You know, express yourself as you will. You know, you don't necessarily have to wait for me to to cue you. Um, as, As Andrew knows, we tend to do a little, cueing just to prevent people from talking over each other but i really want you to just relax and you know <laughs> feel comfortable just sharing whatever stream of consciousness you know tends to come to your mind about this 
But I want to get into Claire Foy as Queen Elizabeth, Princess Elizabeth, as she starts off in the show. And just talking about, um, I don't have a specific question, just some ideas I have in my head here. Uh, how close the portrayal is to what we think we know about her in real life. Uh, did we enjoy Claire Foy's performance as Queen Elizabeth? Uh, were there some issues with it? Like I said, I, th- th- this could have all been, I mean, I know, it, I know it to be based on historical fact. This could have all been fiction for all I knew. So I'm looking, this is one of the, this is kind of the opposite of Jesse Starcher on the Metal Hammer of Doom. This is where I need to be educated as opposed to uh, educating people who are listening. So I'm going to go ahead and throw it all the way over to Alicia here. Tell me, tell me your thoughts on Queen Elizabeth and Claire Foy portraying Queen Elizabeth. Well, appearance-wise, she's right on the mark. It's actually almost scary how much she looks like pictures. And if you look at old pictures of Elizabeth and old pictures of Philip, I mean, they, they cast this very well in, in the look. Um, in personality, there's not a lot known about Elizabeth in her early years, at least nothing that I, I don't know a lot about it. Um, I thought she was very, she's very good, but I personally struggled a little bit with how nervous she was and how kind of passive she was in the early years. It very well could be true, but I think I've grown up with Elizabeth in the later years and I've always seen her as a very confident, very strong female uh, monarch. Um, and so I, while I enjoyed watching Claire's take on it and the, the show's take on it, I, I'll admit the first few episodes I struggled a little bit because it was like she was almost too passive to what I rem- think of Elizabeth as. It very well could be, like I said, true because she was very young when she took the throne. But... I, I, that was the only part that I was like, oh, the look is perfect. Her person, like her, like little quirkiness of how she walks and how she moves is very accurate. She obviously did her studying, but there was a, a passiveness there that I, like I said, could be, could have been there, but I struggled with watching it a little bit because I see her as such a strong female role model. Andrew? You are very much in line with Alicia. Like there, there are moments where Claire Foy's infection, in, sorry, inflection, <laughs> her mannerisms, the way she hold her, holds her hands is very, very dead on to how Elizabeth II actually speaks, actually moves, actually presents herself. It's, it is. I mean, it is. It's a little jarring in some cases. So, and I mean. I think um, it is. I mean, again, I don't. I don't know that much about Her Majesty in the early years, particularly a lot of the behind-the-scenes stuff we get into, like her her audiences with um, Churchill and things like that. But you definitely do get a read of of this is somebody who is new to this role and is kind of learning the ropes in a lot of ways. And also, who one thing I can than she expected to. Yeah. Yeah, she. That that's made very clear in the show uh, that ideally there would have been more time spent with her father, the king, before she took over the role, and she just kind of got thrown into it out of necessity. And I mean, the man died of uh, cancer, presumably. Um, one thing I, I I wholeheartedly agree with: the first episode or two, um, 
I really struggled with. Not to say that I wasn't enjoying it. The show looks marvelous. It's a very exquisitely oh, yeah. shot show. Uh, the set design, costumes, everything. Uh, it's all very enthralling. I, I I think just because, again, I'm coming, this this might have well have been. I have an easier time with science fiction, you know, than, than, I, than I had trying to understand this world that I was thrown into with episode one. And so it was a little struggle for me to get through. Once she becomes queen, I, I saw that that's the story. It's her taking on this role and growing into it and in the, the, the struggles therein, which we definitely need to talk about her and Philip and uh, their marriage sort of uh, against you know, the expectations of the crown. But yeah, once we got there, the show became a lot more easier for me to digest Getting there was, was a bit trying. Though, like I said, it, it had nothing to do with performances. I think it was just a, a just kind of an overwhelming first episode for me. Um, one thing you both you know, brought up was uh, her passivity you know, at, at the onset. And I'll tell you, one of the things that actually surprised me, and I'll, I'll give you both a chance to react to this, is I had no idea that the, the queen was even passively involved in government. I honestly thought that they had, that the prime minister and whatever you, you, you like parliament, I guess, uh, you know, dealt with the law and the royalty just kind of sat in observation. So looking at details like the red box and, uh, you know, the king specifically saying, I turn everything over to see what they don't want me to see first. Uh, what you were saying, Andrew, about you know them sort of giving the okay on some of these laws—not that they wouldn't, but that they—but it's still a part of the process. Yeah, you know, all that was new and very interesting to me. Um, and I'm curious—I I was curious to know just how much she was a—you know—how before she takes over as queen, how much did she know about the government? You know, and in other words she has to weigh in on some of this stuff to some degree. Does she have a working knowledge of the kinds of, th- the kinds of laws these people are going to pass to even weigh in? Um, it, was, it, was all, it was all fascinating to me. Alicia, what are some of your thoughts here? Well, um, Elizabeth is was ed- very well educated and this actually goes I can't remember which episode uh, episode 7 oh, there we go. Yeah. uh they actually go into her past uh education and okay. she specifically uh they talk about how when she was young she really is well educated in the constitution and uh, I mean she of course got very well educated in manners and in presentations and stuff but she is very well versed in the constitution and in law um, when it comes to science and um, other more general knowledge, general knowledge, she wasn't taught like an average kid um, and struggles with that. But one of the unique things about Elizabeth is she took it upon herself once she was in the role to learn. She brought in tutors and that actually becomes part of the show where she brought in a tutor to teach her all of this general knowledge that she didn't get as a kid so that she could be knowledgeable enough to not only converse with people who had those degrees and had that, that information, but also weigh in on it. 
Yeah. And I mean, that's kind of a, that's kind of an, an interesting thing that's kind of happened with the Royal family. When you look at the overall history is the level of education that some of, some of the, the monarchs have had, like compare, you know, Elizabeth II to Elizabeth the first, who was the queen in the 1500s up to about 1600. And I mean, she was probably one of the best, Elizabeth the first was one of the best educated monarchs in Europe at the time. She had tutors. She spoke several languages. She was well-read and and by the time that you came around to this, to Elizabeth II, that wasn't as much of a priority. It was about because they weren't expected to be involved in the brass tax as much in the brass tax running of the country. That said, with how complicated the world was at this point, you need to get into some of that information. So you're starting to already see that swing the other direction, where you know both Harry and looking at the the, the current. Uh, royals, both Harry and William, have both been to university. I believe Charles went to university, and I believe at least one of the other, one of his brothers went to university as well. But there's only about four members in kind of the top six line that have been to university. Let's get into one of the, one of two of my favorite characters in this whole thing, uh, Prince Philip. And again, I, I got to reference Eddie Izzard here. Um, what I know of Prince Philip is the jokes that Eddie Izzard has made that were that may or may not have been based on something he actually said, like "Don't stay too long in China, your eyes will get all slitty." Um, that there was something else that uh, he said he made some other dumb remark, allegedly, um, and he doesn't necessarily come across as a dummy on the show though he does have the one he does have a great line and i think it's episode two where they're in africa and he's he approaches uh i guess the 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 tribal leader the king and he's like i like your hat (laughs) and mortified remember that (laughs) elizabeth looks at him and goes it's not a hat it's a crown (laughs) and he's like all right well, one of the one of the gentlemen he walks up to and he points at one of his medals and he says, "You can't have that. That's fake." What he was pointing at was what's called a Victoria Cross, which is the Commonwealth equivalent of the the Medal of Honor. I'm surprised you liked Philip so much. He's such a controversial character in the show. I I, I felt for him. I I I honestly did. You know, th- this is I you know when you look at it from 2017. You know where where we we've come in a lot of ways very very far in the you know the genders being equal and certainly we have further to go um, much further to go but this certainly isn't 1950 we we have made progress I think that's fair to say um, but if you look you know so if you look back to the 1950s and you see you know, this man, this man of the house, this leader of the family, having constantly being undermined and in a lot of ways emasculated because his wife is the, the queen of the country, the queen of the empire. I mean, you're talking about a very deeply personal issue with this guy, and I, I felt for him. Uh, I thought Matt Smith did an excellent job of portraying him, and I based that on absolutely nothing, but the performance itself was was enthralling for me. Um, again, I don't know anything about the guy about the guy in real life. Um, 
But I thought that, you know, here you have this person who is constantly trying to exert himself as, as a man should, especially of that time. And, and he just gets a, a barrage of nope. You know, you can't, she can't take your name. The children can't take your name. You can't fly. You can't do this. Put yourself in his position and even take out the, the, the gender part of it. Just any person who's constantly being told your life is not your own. You have to live it. You have to live it this way, this expected way and how and how you might handle that. I'll give you guys a chance to react to what I'm saying. Uh, go ahead, Andrew. Um, yeah, I think, I mean, I think, uh, Matt Smith and his portrayal of Prince Philip is, is quite engaging. And I think on some level, he definitely comes across as a, as a sympathetic character. I mean, not only is he, is he an outsider to the family, but, um, he's kind of an outsider in general. So, I mean, he made, he made a line in one of the, I think it's in one of the later episodes where it's like, my grandfather was killed. My father had to flee and I was smuggled out of the country in an orange box. And that wasn't too far off. Like, I mean, this was, uh, and this kind of ties into one of the big themes of the show and, and a lot of where the, the conversation is underlying is that at this point in time, monarchies were falling left, right, and center. Like, I mean, you had, you had the Habsburgs go in Austria. You had uh, the, the Romanovs fall in, in um, Rome. You had the, uh, you, sorry, in uh, Russia. <laughs> sorry, I'm reading there. I'm reading a Russia book right now. It, it slipped in there. Um, <laughs> you had, uh, you know, the Kaiser fall and all of these people were, were relations of some degree or another. Like, I mean, one of the things they talk about is, is, you know, the importance of names. And I mean, Mountbatten, his last name, his Royal house is a, um, is an Anglicanization of, uh, of mountain uh, or sorry, Battenberg, which at the time, Basically, um, before 1917, the royal house wasn't known as Windsor. They were known as uh, Saxe-Coburg-Gotha, which was a, a, obviously a very German-sounding name. And after, uh, after London was bombed by Gotha bombers, they realized that they could not keep that name for much longer. So they actually enacted that the name changed to Windsor. And uh, a lot of the whole question of the stability of the monarchy, the long-term popularity of it, and the perceptions are all kind of a, a very long play in that. And when you get into to some of the scenes where, where Philip's kind of pitching, how do we reach out to people during the, the coronation and things like that? That's what he's got in his mind. Uh, you were, I guess, a little surprised by my reaction. What made you surprised that I would be sympathetic towards Prince Philip, Alicia? I don't know. For me, so Philip is very well acted and I think fairly accurate in the role he had to play. But maybe this is just me, my view on the monarchy. Uh, it's very much the line that uh, King George said to, uh, said to Philip, uh, she's the job. That's the whole you married. You married her knowing that she was going to be the reigning queen. You were not that's the job <laughs> that's that's the role that's the that's the life you signed into it like the very first time you even meet philip he's on his knees renouncing his royal titles and like that's the life he signed into and i'm just like i i almost get a little frustrated with the with the show because that they like they want us to be so sympathetic to him and i'm like no you know what he needs to support her that's the role he signed up for 
I don't know. That's okay. my. I get frustrated with that character. <laughs> you know, I I I hundred percent see your perspective. Uh, I think because maybe, maybe because I'm not as uh, invested in in the monarchy. And well, well, I hear your words, and I know exactly what you're saying. And I think uh, to uh, varying degrees, you're a hundred percent right. There's still the human element to him. You know, like, yeah, that's the job, but still, you gotta be, you gotta be a man. You gotta be your own man. You know. And so, where does the delineation lie? between you have to do your duty but you also have to be your own person or you know or is it that you are 100% always doing the job and you never get to be your own person and even if you enter into that willingly you know it's kind of you know, the gra- like a grass always greener situation you i don't know if one could ever have their eyes 100% open to the to what that ultimately means to always be in the service of the crown and to never being able to live your own life. Because that sounds like a personal nightmare to me. Now, granted, I didn't yeah. marry into royalty, but I <laughs> bristle <laughs> I bristle at the thought that I can't tell my father-in-law what I, what, I, what I think of his opinion of MMA. It's a very poor opinion, and he lets me know it every time. And I have to go, uh-huh. <laughs> Yeah, no, absolutely. MMA is more more uh, violent than football. Sure, absolutely. When are we leaving? So, I mean, you know, that I think that that's where I'm coming from. No, uh, I completely he... understand that. <laughs> okay. I don't know. I just, I just, uh, it's definitely not a life most people would want. <laughs> that's for sure. I uh, personally, I've seen it up close, and uh, I was. When uh, when William and Kate came to Calgary, oh my God, how many years ago? Seven yeah, years seven ago. Years ago. Uh, seven years ago, I was part of the team that did part, just a tiny sliver of their tour here, and I got to see up close the amount of work it is just to do a tiny, like tiny portion of that tour, and the life and the like how how rigid your entire existence is. Definitely not a life I would sign up for, but it's a life. I, uh, Philip is one of the few that it was actually born into it. Um, he wasn't born into that particular monarchy, but he was born into a monarch. Yeah, and there's a, there's an episode kind of going to the point, just using the, the royal tours as an example. There's an episode later on, I want to say it's Pride and Joy, but I could be wrong, where Elizabeth and Philip go on a uh, go on a uh, royal tour. And they are hitting eight and nine locations a day for how long was the tour for? Twenty three weeks. Twenty three weeks. Twenty three weeks without break, going full up all day, every day. I mean, you can make the joke that the uh, the the royal family is possibly the crown jewel of the British penal system. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think about uh, Metallica's Black Album tour, where they they toured every country and almost every city in the world that they could get to and how exhausting that was, you know, or the, the WWFs, everyone take a drink, uh, 80 schedule where there was a and B towns and there was two a days and you just, you lived on the road. But I want to say the WWF schedule in the Hogan era was like 300 days, 320 days, somewhere in there. 
Pat Mullen, if you're out there, shoot me a t- shoot me a uh, message on Facebook. Let me know what the number was. Um, <laughs> but they they lived on the road, and anyone that's that's ever lived on the and and we're talking. I just named Metallica and wrestlers. Certainly not the high point of royalty in either <laughs> case. You know. <laughs> They, when Hogan dropped the big leg on somebody, he could go to the Marriott at the, you know, outside the Nassau Coliseum and pet, you know, and toss a few back. You can't really, I, I guess, do that when you're Queen Elizabeth and Prince frickin' Philip. You're not at the Marriott drinking yeah. booze when it's all over. Yeah, and that's kind of a, that's almost another kind of theme that kicks in in the show is that up till this point, the press and stuff like that were much more willing to give the Royal some space. And, uh, I mean, they start space, respect, space, respect, some level of deference. And, uh, you start to see that gradually erode as, as some events happen in the show. I'm trying to remember where we are on stuff. Um, well, they still, I mean, it shows certain points where they, there's, there's one episode while they were on the tour, or I think it, it's while they're on the tour yeah, where Elizabeth uh, and Philip get into a fight and it happens to get caught on camera. And in their, I believe they're in Australia. Yeah. And the cameraman actually takes out the film and hands it to Elizabeth as a gift for the queen. Yeah. That would never happen nowadays. Everyone, that would no. be the first thing on TV. Or like, I was gonna say that shit would be on Facebook instantaneously. Oh, They'd oh, be yeah. lots, That would be a live feed. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And credit where credit's due. As part of that scene, like Elizabeth walked up there expecting she'd have to do something for them. Mm-hmm. Like you know, I have to give you a five minute exclusive. I have to give you a quote or or something like that. And they said, No, Your Majesty, you may just have this, and away you go. And I mean, like that's kind of been another layer of of invasion that. You know, these people, you know, yes, they live a, you know, a very, in some ways, splendid life, but in some ways, and they talk about this, a very cold life because of some of the places that they live in and you can't necessarily make where you live a home. And that's another level of, of intrusion that you have. Like, I mean, there's a reason that, there's a reason that, you know, there's a lot of speculation when you see a new member of the family come in, whether it be, you know, Kate Middleton, who uh, the Duchess of Cambridge, who actually, I believe, briefly broke up with William before they married because she had to come to terms with the fact that this was going to be her whole life. And I think even when you look at uh, at Meghan Markle, and I know you're a Suits fan, and I mean, she's used to being a celebrity, but the kind of glare that you have when you're a member of the royal family and to point out in no way do the royal family consider themselves celebrity because they are an, an institution. Um, like it's terrifying. It's got to be terrifying. Yeah, I can yeah, say there's a lot of ways it sounds like a nightmare. Season, yeah, <laughs> this season's interesting because it it kind of shows how it's become that. So the the coronation when they decide to put it on TV, the very next ex- episode when they're talking when the journalists are deciding what stories to run. And they say, oh, like, we wouldn't have done a story about Margaret and, uh, and Peter um, in the past. But wait, they led us into the coronation. They've become public figures now. Now it's their fair game. Right. Um, let's talk about, if, if, well, well, before we move on, anything else about Philip, Alicia that you wanted to talk about? I feel for Philip as a character. I think the one I struggle with him is the is the party boy. I don't doubt that that was probably true, 
but I, I, I struggle seeing him like taking off to parties all the time. And it just, I get my personal frustrations up, but I understand that that's probably was the life and that's, that's the way it happened. I've got okay. one funny um, anecdote from, from real life that kind of describes, and I think this is kind of where it goes into nailing the personality of the character. So, um, there's a very big Scottish element of the current royal family, the, the, the Queen Mother, Elizabeth's mother, who was also called Elizabeth, um, was actually a daughter of a uh, very prominent Scottish family. She grew up in a castle in Scotland, and they'll go up to Scotland and, and show off that a little bit. But um, as a result, the royal family actually goes to a castle called Belmoral for their summers, and they'll, the men all don kilts. The first time uh, Philip had ever gone up there, he was less than impressed, and as opposed to doing a bow when wearing a kilt, he actually curtsied. <laughs> At least to say, no one was impressed. Third law, especially. <laughs> so he, he's um, a little bit of a shit by nature. Okay. Interesting. But Philip in real life is actually, he's known for his philanthropy. Like, he's actually very well known for his philanthropy yeah. in the UK. Is he as dumb as Eddie Izzard makes him out to be? I think he's a man of his time. So some of the things that he says and yep. but, and some of the things that people make jokes of, you have to remember his age and the time he grew up in. And some of those things haven't changed. <laughs> yeah, and I think I think in a lot of cases, some of the, the older royals are, I say, even into, into Charles's generation, are a bit far out of touch. Like they just, they don't relate to people as well. Cause they had that much larger gap. I mean, we'll see if they cover it once they get two or three seasons down the line. Um, but uh, apparently up until his adulthood, Charles actually had somebody who put the toothpaste on his toothbrush. I want to watch black mirror with Prince Philip and queen Elizabeth. <laughs> I think that would be fascinating. Uh, speaking <laughs> of fascinating, uh, my second favorite character in this whole first season, uh, what what I've been able to watch up to this point, is John Lithgow as Winston Churchill. Yep. And, and with a lot of let, let me just talk about John Lithgow for just a, a moment. You know, there's two John Lithgows. There's the serious actor. You know, I, I go all the way back to he's the, the preacher in Footloose who didn't want dancing. You know, th- there's a John Lithgow who's an extremely talented actor, and he is at his prime in this show. He is magnificent as Winston Churchill. Then there's silly John Lithgow, who I can't stand. And I love it, it, John Lithgow. Oh, I, I third, third Rock from the Sun and Daddy's Home too, which I did not see. But you know, as, 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 as Andrew's listened to enough "Damn You Hollywood" to hear me and Robert lambast comedy, you know, as it's <laughs> as it's written in America. Not a fan. Um, no, at least not a fan of the uh, of, of comedy about, movie. Uh, Mark Wahlberg, since Robert's not here right now. <laughs> By I'm all kidding. means. <laughs> no, I wasn't going to say it. I just know Rob. Robert always mentions how much he hates Mark Wahlberg. So, <laughs> yeah, it's it's ridiculous. Um, I, I well, I'm not going to fight that fight without him being here. It's not fair. But yeah, I don't know how much of my podcasts Andrew has subjected you to, Alicia, and I do mean subjected. <laughs> but um, 
<laughs> we, uh, <laughs> Robert and I have gotten into a lot of sissy slap fights of, over Mark Wahlberg. Um, it's just, you know, between that and Transformers, it's the never-ending battle. In any case, uh, <laughs> I'm not a fan of silly John Lithgow, and it was a real pleasure to watch him as Winston Churchill. But I think some of now, as far as what actually happens in the show, some of my favorite John Lithgow moments, um, I'll, I'll call them Churchill moments. One, him reading in the bathtub and him adjusting in the water, overflowing, and for the poor secretary. Boy, the, again, the poor secretary gets, gets uh, hit by a bus. Yeesh. That was a little hard to watch. Um, and I just watched The Punisher. Um, <laughs> so there was that. But I, every time, you know, Philip made this huge deal about the name uh, and about living in the house that he had just renovated. And. He was like, you, you know, you have to do this. I, it, it, it's like me talking to my wife about what I need the kids to get done while I'm at work. Like, they have to clean their rooms, okay? I am depending on you. Get this done, you know? And he's talking to her in much the same way. You Get this done, okay? You, are ta- you have to take the fight here uh, to the appropriate people. And <laughs> she's talking to John Lithgow. And John Lithgow just makes this face like, like, he, like she shit on his shoes. No, you can't live in the. No, you can't live in the house. What's wrong with you people? No, they can't take you know uh, his name. Like Jen, are you mad? You know, it's like out of context and without any real connection to to what's going on. As an observer, it came across as comical to me. Um, what did you guys think of? I mean, you can talk about the bathtub moment if you want. That was personal to me. I thought it was funny. But just his, there's a couple of reactions, there's a couple of interactions they have where John Lithgow, if you could see the thought bubble, is like, I want to strangle you right now. How are you so bad at this? You can't do these things. For God's sakes, just do the job the way it was meant to be done. I miss your father. Go ahead, Alicia. Well, I have to say, I do, I do agree that this is one of the best characters in the show. He does such an awesome job portraying such a unique person and personality in history. And I love, like, I love the fact that he's got, like, the hunch over the whole time. And he's got, like, the body movements uh, that that you associate with <laughs> with that character. And uh, I, I, I love the interactions between him and Elizabeth, especially uh, after after his, uh, his secretary gets hit by the bus um, and he comes back and the light shines into the room and, and you can see that she's debating on like whether to just like lay into him or just give up on it. And she lets it go. And you can see like the, he doesn't want to show relief, but he, he just has this like little glint in his eye, like sucker. I got you. <laughs> I did it. <laughs> and you know, he does a great job. Like he, he's subtle in it, but like it's, it's awesome. He, it, it's definitely the best character. I think. <laughs> And that gets that gets turned on its head in episode seven. True. Where she does lay into him. Yeah. Well, sorry. No, in, she in lays her, into the other guy. <laughs> well, she lays into him in the manner a queen lays into somebody, which may actually be more terrifying. Very polite. <laughs> very measured. And, I was going to say very measured, I would assume. <laughs> I'm not mad at you. I'm disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> um. There's the uh, that whole I, I, just a side issue here. The whole bit with the London fog, 
I, I found fascinating, especially his reaction to it, because it's so modern. That conversation mm-hmm. could be taking place now. It's just yep. weather. Yep. Polar ice caps melt. Polar bears die. <laughs> if you've listened to yeah. enough, if you've listened to enough Rush Limbaugh, and Lord knows I have, they, he has very much said those things. It's like, you know, oh, the liberals are making a huge deal out of these incremental changes in weather. It's just weather. It happens, and it'll pass. There's no such thing as global warming. Gosh, it's hot in here. You know, that sort of thing. <laughs> so, uh, you. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, that was, it was a very telling scene, and I, and I really enjoyed that episode just, just because it, it so speaks to modern times. Don't, don't you think, Andrew? Oh yeah, for sure. And I mean, I've got to put, I've got to put Winston Churchill in in some context here. And, and going back, you're gonna love episode seven and episode nine because they're very Churchill focused. And and I mean, let's just say Winston Churchill is one of the more you know unique characters of history. Uh, I mean, like I said, he served his country for 50 years. He was very much a. I think the closest American character I could find to this would be Theodore Roosevelt, who was like. You know, I want to lead troops up hills and everything about that. And then I'm going to write this story about myself being awesome as well. Like he made a point of out of all the leaders coming out of World War II, he was the first one to get a biography out because he knew the first guy to get the draft out had the prevailing version of history. And he's very concerned about the concept of empire. He's very concerned about keeping things the way they are very much in that way. Um in the 1930s, he loved to rail against two people on the planet, uh, Adolf Hitler and Mahatma Gandhi. <laughs> really? Just because he wanted, well, I, to, wanted well, I, an I can... independent video. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, he was, I'm sorry. Well, I was asking about Gandhi, but you were, you were starting to answer it. He was railing against Gandhi yeah. because Gandhi wanted, uh, go figure, an India for show. the Indians. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And to him, I mean, India was referred to as the crown, crown jewel of the British Empire, and it was a completely radical thing at the time. I mean, he was, he was seen as that. And uh, I mean, that's kind of very much Churchill. He's, he's concerned about his legacy. He's concerned about the legacy of, of the country, the standing of Britain. And I mean, obviously there, there's some level of, of a dissonance there because as much as, you know, Britain, Britain was and is a great country and 1952 to 1955, it was seriously weakened. Like they mentioned that people were still on rations of the second world war. Britain's still paying off world war debts right now. You know, at the risk of being moderately irritating and sounding like a dullard, I have to reference another Eddie Izzard joke. Um, and, and you reminded me of it as you were talking about Churchill, this, you know, the idea of uh, having to give back the empire you know, and so Eddie Izzard sort of <laughs> imitating somebody, you know, a British person giving back portions of countries. He's like, he's like, what's that behind your back? Oh, that's India. Give it back. Oh, okay. <laughs> you know, and what's that one? Oh, that's the, the, the Falkland Islands. We need that for, for strategic sheep purposes. Um, so on that level, I, I get the idea of, you know, when, you, when you've had as strong an empire as, as Britain had, and, and they were part of the winning side. In two wars, they were part of the winning side. 
to come away in the you know in the late forties and the fifties as, as having to you know, give away the empire. I could see where people who were you know longstanding in politics and leadership would feel like this this just goes against nature. This goes against everything we believe to be true. And of course, white man's burden was a thing at the time, so I get it. And not, uh, I, I don't want to spoil it, but once you get into the later half of the season and some of the stuff that, that uh, Anthony Eden's dealing with, specifically in, re- in relation to, to Egypt, like, that's going to set up Britain and France and Israel almost starting World War Three. Like, it kind yep. of, it kind of almost, it's going to put the, the point on, on, on some level the decline of British power. Alicia... Talk to me about Princess Margaret. And, and now I, I've set all of these up with some degree of discussion. I've gone for a few minutes on each character. Here's where I'm going to go to shrug my shoulders, look at you, and go teach me. Tell me about Princess <laughs> Margaret. Princess Margaret, is, she's a fascinating woman because so she's Elizabeth's younger sister. She's always been kind of in the shadow. You have to keep in mind that Elizabeth and Margaret weren't supposed to be in the throne like uh, uh, when uh their dad uh, took the throne and they realized that elizabeth was going to be next their life completely changed their relationship probably completely changed because suddenly elizabeth's path was set for her and margaret's isn't um i love in the show that elizabeth and margaret um the costumes really reflect who they start becoming um, a Margaret is con- a Margaret is the modern woman. She's in, like she's all she's the stylish one. She's the one of the woman on the town. She gets to go to the parties. She's got the personality. She's got the affairs. <laughs> she has. She's the one having fun. And Elizabeth is the duty, and she's dressed always properly, and and she stays very much in her suits and her dresses, and you can kind of see them growing further and further apart. And Margaret. I mean, her relationship with a married man, which back then was a big, big no-no. Now, at the time, people don't talk about, this show is interesting because it mentions the pre-relationship to when he was still married. I don't know if that part is fiction or fact. Yeah. Um, But just the fact that she even became involved with a man who had gotten divorced was a huge, huge deal. And I think a lot of people watching the show now are going well so what <laughs> like it's not that big of a deal uh, like you know he's divorced he's only divorced once and like hey he was married for a long time like it's not that big of a deal nowadays even I mean even modern times like you look at the current match Harry and Megan uh have become a huge controversy because she's a divorcee this is not like this is this and so if you go back 50 years and this, this was huge controversy back then, and still to this day, Margaret is always been a very unique character in the royal family, in that she was, I don't want to spoil anything for season two, but she is, a, she becomes a divorcee herself, which is huge controversy. <laughs> she, but that relationship with uh, with Townsend kind of sets up the the difference between keeping the way things the way they are and the way that society is changing. Uh, Andrew, anything? No, that makes tons of sense. Andrew, (laughs) anything on, 
Okay, so be- before I go to you, Andrew, I, I'm going to go ahead and tell you all what an idiot I am. So they keep saying Peter Townsend, and I'm reading on the Wikipedia Peter Townsend, and I'm like, the guy from The Who? That wrong guy. <laughs> um, yes. You know what? I think I think since this series started, that Peter Townsend has, has moved up on the on the Google search results. I think he now comes up first. <laughs> the, the guy from The Who, or else read the Kingdom? That's crazy. Um, all right. Uh, <laughs> We, we're here to teach you, ladies and gentlemen, on the Rattle and Broadcasting Network. <laughs> yeah. Peter Townsend is not Peter Townsend. They're two different people. No. <laughs> I'll let you go ahead. <laughs> um, I don't think I have a lot to add to, uh, to what Alicia said, though. I will bring up one fascinating thing you pointed out to me relative to that. But And any, any turns of phrase aside, uh, Margaret wears the pants a lot. In the most literal <laughs> literal phrase possible, and that's what that was like a, as you can say, it was a tremendously modern, Fashion. shocking thing. The reason he mentions this is I, I always have a conversation with my grandmother that she did not wear pants until she was uh, until the sixties, because you just women didn't wear you didn't wear pants, and Margaret very quickly in the 50s is the first one to be wearing pants and she's always in modern fashion and, and stuff. And I was pointing that out to Andrew <laughs> while we were watching the show. Another character I but, found uh, interesting. I'm sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. Who do you find interesting? Okay. Uh, another character I found interesting, knew nothing about him, um, was, have no idea where he's going or what he's all about, but somebody I was, I, I was immediately fascinated with is uh, Alex Jennings as Edward, Duke of Windsor, the former king who abdicated the crown um, so that he could marry Wallace Simpson, who I have no idea who she is, but apparently he wasn't supposed to marry her. Um, So tell me, uh, Andrew, if you know anything about that situation, what that marriage was all about, why, why that was scandalous, why he felt the need to abdicate the throne, et cetera, et cetera. Well, okay, so, um, yeah, Edward, Duke of Windsor, or David was his actual given name. Edward was his, his uh, regal name. Uh, that's the thing where they basically, you don't necessarily have to reign under the name you're given. Elizabeth chose to, to retain her name, and in some cases it changed. Uh, did you ever see the King's Speech? Uh, no, I have not seen the King's Speech. I know of it. I know what it's, it's about, but I don't It's worth checking out, and it's actually about Elizabeth's father. So he was he was Prince Albert, and then when he, he chose to when the abdication happened and he chose to reign, he chose actually his father's regal name of George for the purposes of continuity. Anyway, that's kind of an aside, but but we all know what uh, what station we're on, and the sides are perfectly okay. <laughs> uh, anyway, so yeah, Edward uh, Edward the Seventh. So the basic situation there was, and I continue to try and unravel what happened with the abdication, and it. it Anything regarding divorce and divorce and the royal family and their role also being the heads of the Church of England gets really, really complicated. But basically, he ascended to the throne. Uh, he was, I believe he was already involved with, with Wallace Simpson, who was an American socialite. She had already been twice divorced. And under, uh, under a very strict interpretation of, of Anglican church law, Basically, a woman, particularly one who's involved in the royal family, should not have a living husband. And to which... Not even a woman, a man. Or a man as well. But, I mean, I think, I think with a lot of things, they 
throw a, a harder burden on the women than they do the men. Um, in any case, basically, the king said, I want to wear Wallace Simpson. They said, no, she's divorced. You can't. You cannot. Okay, fine. I'm taking my ball and going home. And he abdicated at that point. Now, you're missing a piece. So you also have to remember that royal marriages have to be they have um, to be accepted, accepted by, by not just it's not just a family matter it's a government, government matter. matter so yeah. the parliament actually has to give consent for a royal person especially a royal, uh, I think even currently the top six royals uh, still have to get consent from the government to marry and at the time, the government was a conser- it was it was a very conservative government, and there was no way they were going to let their king marry an American socialite who was twice divorced. She was well known in social circles as a, uh, a, a they were pretty positive that she was just going to be a scandal the entire time. Yep, there were also some political concerns around Wallace and actually around Edward the Seventh as well. So he was a little bit of a, a sympathizer with some guys with armbands on the continent at the time. This was so much so. So after he abdicated, and they show this in the show, they moved him to France just to get him out of the country. And, and there's actually some scenes about that later in the show that deal with that. During the Second World War, they actually made him the governor of the Bahamas because there had been rumors, and there's a question as to how valid these were, that if in some case the Germans actually invaded Britain, they were going to bring him back and put him back on the throne because he was quite a fan of Hitler. <laughs> uh, why does the government give a shit who marries who? Because it's not the crown is not just the head of state, it's head of church. So they okay. have to abide by it. So up until very, very recently, I don't know exactly the year, anyone marrying into the family actually had to convert to being part of the Church of England. Because they are not just the head of state, they are the head of the church. So church you know and state what? are not separate. <laughs> no, and, and you know what? As soon as you said that, I was like, oh, that's right, Church of England, got it. And as an American, yep. it's, it's such a bizarre concept. You know, you, know, you understand what I'm saying? You know, it, it's the idea that, you know, like in this country, other than you having taxism status if you're a church, uh, and you know, there's political intertwinings, you know, in, in terms of support, you know, the, the, it's one of the pillars of the Republican party, you know, um, you know, religion is, but you know, the, the idea that if a, a president would, would, or a congressman or a Senator would, would weigh in on someone's you know, personal choices that way. I mean, there may be discussions, you know, behind the scenes of that, you know, you probably shouldn't marry that hooker, but, um, but it, to, to be so formal about it and so, and so forthright, you know, in terms of, no, you're not going to marry this person. You're going to marry that person because church of England. It's like ju- just yeah. saying it out loud. It's, it's like, it's jarring, but I totally get it. Like I, I get the, the, uh, like I get the culture. Go ahead, Andrew. Yeah. And I mean, it's not, it's not as hard and fast as it seems either. And like I said, this is where, where this gets so complicated because it kind of depends on what time you're in. For example, um, in the 1800s, Benjamin Disraeli was uh, a prime minister of Great Britain. He was Jewish. And he was quite a oh, popular I'm... prime minister, actually. So it's kind of, uh, though I can't even remember the last time they actually had a, 
Or actually, wait a second. Tony Blair was a Catholic. I'm not sure. I think he was Catholic, actually. So, But, yeah, and I think, I mean, you know, to talk about how big of a deal the whole royal marriage thing was, in 2011, prior to the birth of, of Prince George, they had what was called the Perth Agreement, where basically all the Commonwealth countries got together and basically said, here's our guidelines for any new royal succession. And then every country had to go and pass a bill in their respective government to say that we're adopting this as a part of our constitution. We didn't. Yes, we did, actually. Cool. It, it got um, overturned. There were two court challenges in Canada over it. Is there anything to their relationship between um, David and Elizabeth? What I've seen up to this point is she welcomes his point of view, his advice. Does that go anywhere? Does he stab her in the back at any time? Is there a, is there a, a, a plot afoot? Or is he genuinely in her corner, Alicia? Oh, <laughs> Andrew's getting ready to answer. <laughs> uh, I honestly, I'm not sure. It wouldn't surprise me that Elizabeth would ever turn to... Uh, him for advice without her father and having no one around her with context of how that role, what that role entails and what that role defines. Uh, I think he's a great character in the show to give context to why duty is so important and why the crown should come before everything else. He's the, like the tale of what not to do. (laughs) And he's constantly brought up as such. And even he brings himself up as such. And I think that's why he's a great, character to have in the show whether or not that has context to what happened in real life i'm not sure yeah and i mean uh, kind of going into some of that a lot of his motivations is as you continue to go down the series are part of his deal when he was exiled and, and like i said there's a scene in one of the later episodes talking about basically him and george having the conversation of saying okay that's fine but get out of the country and he said okay fine you're gonna pay me as some of it a lot of the conversations around keeping his allowance long term And the other side of it is that there's a lot of members of the royal family, and I think some of this is harbored to this day, who basically blame him for killing uh, George VI, Elizabeth's father. Because he wasn't prepared to be a... uh, The the actor who plays it captures it fairly well, but it's... uh, George VI had a noticeable stammer, and that's what the King's speech is all about, is him going to a speech therapist, but he was never a guy who wanted or expected or any of those things to become to become king, and especially when he was was king during the Second World War, basically the stress and 40 cigarettes a day ended up killing him at 54. (laughs) I'm guessing the cigarettes didn't help, no. Um, (laughs) Yeah, but he's very much held responsible for for the damage that it did, and and I think there's some lines to that. If not in this episode, then definitely later on when he, he comes back to say that, you know, you basically killed your brother who was the responsible one. Mm-hmm. And it's, uh, he's definitely kind of an, an interesting, uh, an interesting character in that respect. And, and again, like Alicia said, he does, he's this great foil for duty versus non-duty. The Walt Disney company has done a great job of putting in, into the minds of children, how great it is to live in royalty. What a great thing to be a princess, to be a prince, to be a king, to be a queen. Um, it, it is it is fantasy on par with being in Star Wars or you know or something along those lines. People just think it's the best. And I I hear this guy say 
you won't let me get involved in any private industry and then you cut off my allowance how the hell am i supposed to live what's wrong with you people i'm slightly adjusting that but but the the, the, the gist of what he's saying you know that that's that's the and it goes back to the whole prince philip thing is you have you have set up this rubric this structure for me to live in that i am brushing up against and then you know, I am trying to live within the parameters you've set, and then you go and you make my life that much more difficult. You can't have it yep. both ways. You can't expect me to live this way and then not give me the tools to live this way. Um, and, and I love that. I love the fact that he, in his somewhat dispassionate performance, says that outright. Like, nope, this isn't going to work. Not the, not, not the way you're, you're asking me to work it. Go ahead, Alicia. You started to chime in there. <laughs> no, I was thinking that's that's a really good point. I never thought of it that way. Um, I don't know. I I really think he was just such an interesting character. I never really learned much about about his abdication in school or um, really my history knowledge with the royals goes really to King George and then that's it. <laughs> so <laughs> getting learning about him through the show. Um, was fascinating because exactly that, like he's kind of torn. He's not part of the Royal family, but he's not part of the public either. He's not, he's kind of, he doesn't really belong anywhere. And him and, and, and you know, we only kind of see him as this somewhat bitter, abdicated King. He was actually, and this is one of the reasons they were so worried, especially about some of those rumors during the second world war is that he was actually quite a, on a personal level, quite gracious and quite um, personable. There was a, a story, and I, I just came across this randomly. One of the the few royal duties he was he was king for under a year. One of the few kind of big royal duties he did was open uh, a memorial to a Canadian battle called Vimy Ridge, and I want to say yeah, well 1936. And that was one of those opportunities where he came, he gave a speech, and there were several thousand. Uh, Canadian war veterans there, and he mingled with the crowd for a few hours, and they absolutely adored him. To be fair, even when he abdicated, the public loved him. Yeah. The public loved him. The public, I mean, they weren't in love with the idea of him marrying uh, who he wanted to, but they loved the idea that he was giving it up for love. It, it kind of made him made royalty more human. It made them more less that, I guess, divine is there at like uh at that role that they used to yeah i would say but yeah, folk hero would seem to be the right term but i don't know i just i struggle with with him as a character in this because i don't know if i can i see him as that bitter in life i don't know it, everything i've read he was kind of became a partier afterwards i started reading about him after i started watching the show and like him and his wife were quite like the social people interesting um those were the major points that i wanted to hit on uh obviously queen elizabeth prince philip uh churchill david and I wanted you to talk about Margaret. That's, that was my agenda. So I'm going to throw it back to you guys now. A uh, phrase I like to use here uh, on the show and on any of my shows, Alicia, is uh, burning desires. Something I picked up in my years of doing therapy um, since I became a social worker. 
I always say, you know, do you have any burning desires? Anything that you feel like we should have covered on this podcast that we haven't yet? And so that's what I want to throw over to you guys now. Um, and, and this it doesn't have to be about characters. It could be about scenes. could be about any part of the show that you want to bring up. Uh, what are your burning desires here, Alicia? I'm just trying to think. Of mine. <laughs> would, would you like me to go to Andrew first? You wanna go you to wanna take a, take no, a minute? No, okay. I've got it. I think we've I think we've covered off the you know the the scenes and the characters really well. I mean the the acting in this show is impeccable. Uh, one other thing on Churchill, I gotta give John Lithgow credit because coming in to coming in as an American to play Winston Churchill has got to be intimidating, and he he nailed it there. Um, I mean, I think there's a lot of kind of fun craft stuff in this, this series. Like as you go on, you start to notice that a lot of these episodes have kind of, uh, you know, a storytelling device around them, whether it be flashbacks or whether it be coming back to one theme that the episode on the, the, um, on the, on the fog's a good example because they're always coming back to the Chiron of what day of the week it is, um, a later on an episode they're they're kind of it's all revolving around painting on some level so from kind of a filmmaking point of view and having some variety in your series on how you tell your stories then it's uh, it's quite a bit of fun that way um the other thing i just wanted to touch on is the general look of the show and uh basically how how stellar it is i mean to, netflix is blowing the bank on this one i think i've heard budget ranges for the entire series of when they do all six seasons of being about $600 million where they're, and you can tell that like they're, they're shooting on film grade stuff. Uh, some of the later episodes, they go up to Scotland and they're doing some of the big vistas there. And the, the shots are just absolutely gorgeous. And they're, they're spending a lot of money on this to make this look on a film. I mean, like I said, Netflix is very much betting the house on this, particularly now since house of cards is kind of imploding. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think yeah. that's well worth the money. Um, I mean, this is this is a highly decorated show. Um, I was looking at the Wikipedia here. I mean, yeah, the list of accolades is like retarded long. Um, it's one, just a couple of them. American Film Institute Award, Top Ten Program of the Year, won. Uh, John Lithgow won a Best Supporting Actor in a Drama. Um, it won a Golden Globe for Best Television Series. Claire Foy won Best Actress, uh, Golden Globe. Um, John Lithgow won a Screen Actors Guild for Best Male Actor. Claire Foy, Best Female. And this just goes on. It won a Satellite Award. Uh, it's, it's won, looks like it won a BAFTA. Uh, it won, John Lithgow won an Emmy. So, yeah, you know, I mean, without going too far into um, sort of the minutia of, of this sort of thing, Netflix is in a heated competition with Disney and, and some other outlets in terms of producing content and, you know, and getting eyeballs to watch their products and pay, you know, and, and pay the fees, which just went up. They need shows like this. They need these shows. They need they they need the Marvel shows. They need uh, all the children's programming that they've got. I mean, my my kids don't have a cable box. They have an Apple TV. 
Be, you know, yep, and they pretty much just watch Netflix. Yours too? Yep. yep. Arts yeah. too. I don't Arts think too. I, I struggled this year for the holidays because I realized that they never see a commercial. They had no clue what toys were out there. <laughs> <laughs> that's probably a yeah. good thing. Um, yeah. Just, yeah. You handle that. You handle that by taking them to the store and let them walk around and let them, you know, let, let my, like I do with my three and a half year old, just like J- Jonas, go play with what you like. Okay. You know, and then I, and then I can see it because the little bit that they have watched commercials. Oh God, you never hear the end of it. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> yep. One other kind of final interesting thing about this show that's going to be happening. I mean, season two just hit Netflix, so we'll probably watch that in the next little while. But as part of this plan, like I said, they're doing six seasons of this, basically covering all 60 years of of uh, Elizabeth II's reign. And every two years, they're going to recast the show. Yes. So basically, we get our current cast for this season, and then they're bringing on a new cast for seasons three and four, and then another new cast for seasons five and six. Yeah, I'm into it, man. I'm 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 gonna keep with it. Uh, I'm gonna finish the season, and eventually I'll get the season two. When we uh, when I do get the season two, we'll I'll have to have you back on uh, to discuss it, and we'll keep this going until it ends. Uh, I this is not the typical thing that uh, I would normally be attracted to, but now that I'm in it, you know, much like that's how Breaking Bad started with me. Breaking Bad wasn't something I I cared to watch. Everybody and their brother told me what a great show it was. And then, you know, it took me a couple episodes, but eventually I got hooked. Uh, They've done an an amazing job with this and it's, it's definitely worth, you know, sticking out to the end. Uh, Alicia, I'm going to let you go ahead and have the last word here before we start to close out. Uh, The only thing that I realized we didn't really touch on, but it's probably because you haven't had a chance to see the last episodes is the relationship between Elizabeth and Margaret. Um, I think that's one of the reasons that Claire won as many awards as she has that uh, that all those scenes that she has with Margaret in the last few episodes where she struggles between wanting to be a good sister versus wanting to be a good queen uh, are just, I think some of the best things I've seen on, t- on TV in a long time. Um, and I really love what's coming out of that dynamic. And I'm excited to see what comes up in season two. I, I know the history, so I'm curious to see how much of that history they show. <laughs> okay. Well, I think then we're going to call it an evening. Um, if everyone's gotten out all they feel like they need to say, I think we've done a good job of summarizing uh, season one. And you know, as I said, if I, if uh, Alicia, I hope you had a good time tonight and you're willing to come back. Andrew, um, I know you'll want to come on and discuss season two. So we'll get that, try to get that scheduled sometime in 2018 if you've if you've heard any of my podcast recently you know i've already started making the schedule for 2018 so i gotta, <laughs> gotta figure out <laughs> i gotta figure out where we're gonna shove this thing but uh we'll we'll uh we'll get to it we got to it this year and i think what i do would we plan this over the summer we, we we're gonna talk about this yeah we planned in like august right so i think we may talk about uh, after like dunkirk <laughs> right right so um speaking of which andrew I, uh, there's another show. I don't know if you're familiar with it. J- Jason Momoa, good old Aquaman, uh, is on the show. It's on. It's got uh, two seasons, six episodes Frontier. a piece. It's really nice and short. Yeah, Frontier. I don't know if that was uh, up your alley, but it's something I think I want to watch and talk about. Well, let me give it a watch and I'll see what it is. I had a friend of mine at work uh, describe it as an ultra-violent Canadian heritage minute. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'll have to send you what the other Canadian Heritage Minutes are before you fully appreciate how hilarious that is. 
Fair enough. They're busy you, with uh, yeah. history. Okay. <laughs> Give it a look, see. If it's something you feel passionate about talking about, we'll get it done. If not, you know, I'll just I'll just watch it for my own amusement. Alicia, did you have a good time tonight? Was this? And I know you you. Uh, I'm sure if you're anything like my wife, you were like podcast. Go fuck yourself. I don't want to do this. But uh, you, you <laughs> came on. You were you were a trooper, uh, and I certainly appreciate that. Yeah, no, it was good. Uh, I'll admit I was apprehensive, I guess that's the right <laughs> word, uh, of coming on. But no, this is this is good. It was it's a great show, and I'm glad I could could get my perspective on it. I I, I appreciate you being here, especially um, as knowledgeable as you both are. It was helpful for me, and get actually it helped me gain a better understanding of what it was I was watching. So uh, certainly appreciate you. All right, um, we're gonna go ahead and close out here, uh, Alicia. This is the best. This is the best part of any one of my podcasts. This is where we do plugs. I don't know what uh, creative endeavors you've got going on or any uh, projects you're passionate about, but now is the time to tell the world about them or where they can find you or anything else you'd like uh, the Rattling Broadcasting Universe of fans to know about. Oh, <laughs> unfortunately, <laughs> I don't have any myself. I wish I had more time to do some. Uh, I. The one thing I will plug is uh, one of my good friends has uh, Victoria has this amazing new podcast called Girls Girls Tries Life, and she interviews uh, women, powerful women all throughout uh, Canada, and she's also reaching out to the states, and she's just getting a unique perspective of, uh, from different women on different life issues, and I uh, so I'm going to plug that. <laughs> Outstanding! Thank you for being on the show. Andrew, you know what to do. Go ahead and do it. All righty, then. Uh, as usual, I will uh, plug where I train, which is uh, Havoc JKD and Esteemed Martial Arts in Calgary. So uh, you can find us on Facebook or at uh, calgaryjkd.com. Uh, that's under the uh, ever-tremendous uh, Sifu J. Cooper and uh, Sarah Jade. Uh, I uh, And we're part of um, – if you're not in the Calgary area and you are looking for some of the best uh, martial arts training, combat training that you can find – uh, definitely check out the Jeet Kune Do Athletic Association uh, under the uh, ever-amazing Sifu Harinder Singh Sabrawal. Uh, you can find uh, us online at jkdaa.com or jkdathletics.com. All right. Um, next week is all Star Wars all the time, ladies and gentlemen. We've got uh, Princess Leia on source material. Uh, if you haven't if you've, if you've ever listened to a source material show, what Jesse's been doing recently at the end of every show is a gag reel. Uh, he takes the entire conversation and cuts out where we go off the deep end, which is frequently. If you've never listened to a source material show all the way through and heard the gag reel, listen to this next one, especially if you're in, into the band Austrian Death Machine. Uh, you'll know why when you hear it and you'll make all those connections. Just trust me on this one. Uh, between the Austrian death machine imitations, this is, this will be a fun one. So next Monday, uh, Princess Leia on source material. Of course, we've got the last Jedi on damn you, Hollywood. Um, Andrew, you've joined us for the force awakens, right? Yes, I did. You joining us again for the last Jedi? I honestly have no idea when I'm going to say it, see it, so I, I can't uh, I can't commit myself right now. I'm looking forward Fair to enough. it, though. 
Yep, I'm going to a fan showing, uh, a fan event to Thursday. So that's when I'm seeing it. Uh, Wednesday on the Metal Hammer of Doom is Galactic Empire's sell, uh, debut album, self-titled Galactic Empire. And then finally, Sean and I are going to put The Empire Strikes Back on trial. Screaming Boy should have a show for you Friday about Star Wars. Uh, you never know what you're going to get with Screaming Boy. It's a, you know, it's a box of chocolates. Uh, that's what we got going on right now. Go ahead and give that Rattledge and Broadcasting Facebook page a like. And you can also check out our content sharing with uh, W to the Max. Uh, we, uh, we have all of their wrestling and MMA and sports content. And they take all of our nuts and bolts and tw- twigs and berries and whatnot. All of our various shenanigans on the Rattledge and Broadcasting Network. All right, so this has been TV Party Tonight for Andrew Graham and his lovely wife, Alicia. Again, I greatly appreciate you coming on. Uh, Be well, be safe, and behave.